It's been a busy week uh, for yours truly uh, in a number of ways. I just want to share a couple of things with you before I bring the word. Um, last Tuesday, I think it was Tuesday, Hillary, you'll correct me if I'm wrong, I was at the studios of Shine FM 95.1. Everybody listen to Shine FM? All right. And um, recorded a uh, announcement for our Michael Card concert, December 15th, only to find out that the person who was doing the recording is in love with Michael Card. And the lady, and the lady who set the whole thing up is sharing with her Jewish friends. So it was like, you know, I'm in the right place at the right time with the right message, and I was just greeted uh, with incredible love. Um, This past Wednesday, I attended a meeting of Converge Ministries. How many of you were at the kickoff brunch? Okay, you remember Kevin McGee, who was our our main speaker at the brunch? Um, He invited me to go to Converge Ministry. Just so happens that Converge Ministry has a funding arm for congregations that want to build buildings. Uh, I found out when I got to the meeting, he already contacted them on our behalf. What was very interesting about that meeting is that the person who was coming to speak could not come because of the death of his father-in-law. And so Kevin decided that week that he was going to take the place of the speaker, and he did a teaching on anti-Semitism. Now, this is the Wednesday after this past Shabbat, when 11 Jewish people were gunned down in a synagogue on Saturday morning, six others injured. I was told that it was a baby naming service. That's as much information as I heard. There may have been celebrating bit milah, circumcision service. I, I don't know. To my amazement, I found out that half of the 20 pastors who were there really didn't understand the anti-Semitic culture of the church for the past 1,700 to 2,000 years. And they thanked Kevin and they thanked me for opening up their eyes. And then just yesterday, I went to WFAX radio. Now, you've probably never heard of WFAX, have you? Has anyone ever heard of WFAX radio? Oh, okay. Um, It's a little teeny station in Falls Church, Virginia. It's owned by a woman, not a conglomerate, It's an AM station. It was started by her parents some 60 or 70 years ago. Uh, I went there again to record an announcement for the concert, but the owner of the station and I just hit it off because we were both born in the same year. We both went to the same university, American University, which has about a 33% Jewish population. And she witnessed and shared her faith with many of her Jewish schoolmates there. And she decided that beside the announcement, we were going to do about a 10-minute interview that will be airing on WFAX radio uh, as well. So it's been an amazing week, not to mention the week of mourning that I believe all of Christianity, quote-unquote, and especially all of Judaism should be observing because of the massacre of 11 Jewish people just because they were Jewish last Shabbat. I want to read you a timeline. 740 BCE, thousands of Jews are resettled as captives by Assyria. 475 BCE, Haman attempts genocide against the Jews. 
63 BCE, 12,000 Jews die, many sent into the diaspora because of Pompey's conquest. 38 BCE, anti-Jewish riots in Alexandria, Jews are confined to one quarter of the city. 70 CE, one million plus Jews perish, 97,000 are enslaved following the destruction of the second temple. 132 to 135 CE, 580,000 Jews are killed. Hadrian orders the expulsion of Jews from Judea. It's at that time renamed Syria and or Palestine. 167, the earliest known accusation of Jewish deicide is made in a tract which is called Peripasha. 325, the Council of Nicaea calls Jews, quote unquote, our adversaries. 386, John Chrysostom preaches against the Jewish people. 624, Muhammad watches as 600 Jews are decapitated. 943 to 944, Byzantine Jews from all over the empire flee from persecution. 1011, the pogrom against Sephardic Jews in Cordoba by the Muslims. 1096, the first crusade. They attack Jewish communities in Europe. 1275, Edward I of England forces Jews to wear a yellow patch. 1328, 5,000 Jews are massacred after anti-Jewish preaching by a Franciscan friar. 1348 to 51, Jewish people are blamed for the Black Death in Europe. 1481, the Spanish Inquisition is instituted. 1543, Martin Luther writes a tract against the Jews. If you ever read that tract, it is pure sinful hatred. 1835, oppressive constitution for the Jews issued by Tsar Nicholas I of Russia. 1844, Karl Marx's writings infuse communism with anti-Semitism. 1915, World War I prompts the expulsion of a quarter of a million Jews from Western Russia. 1938, Kristallnacht. 1939 to 1945, the Holocaust. There's only one thing that can explain the fact that for 3,500 years, Jews have been persecuted and killed, and that is because it's satanically inspired. Nothing else can explain it. If the Jewish people are part and parcel of God's plan to reclaim his kingdom on earth, then the Jewish people are also the target of Satan's hatred. It's not ideological. It's not political. It is satanic. And we must understand that. And there must be an understanding in the world of the plight of the Jewish people just because they are Jewish. Which brings me to comments made on the internet regarding Rabbi Lauren Jacobs and a prayer he made at the invitation of Vice President Pence in a political rally in Detroit, Michigan. So the question is asked, did President Pence make a serious error in judgment by asking a Messianic Jewish rabbi to pray for the victims of the synagogue massacre at a Detroit political rally? Did he pour salt in the wounds of an already traumatized community? Headlines across the nation have answered that question with a resounding yes. And Mike Pence is under fire from various sources. Quote, 
Mike Pence is under fire for appearing with a fake rabbi to commemorate the Pittsburgh shooting. Quote, Mike Pence causes outrage with Christian rabbi. Quote, Pence sets off firestorm with campaign prayer by Christian rabbi. Quote, honoring Pittsburgh synagogue victims, Pence appears with rabbi who preaches Jesus is the Messiah. That was the Washington Post. Quote, rabbi with Jews for Jesus gives prayer at Pence rally causing backlash. Quote, outrage as Pence brings out messianic rabbi to pray for synagogue victims. And so to sort this all out, I just want to introduce you to the main players in the latest drama involving the Trump administration, Trump administration and this tragic synagogue shooting. Now we all know Mike Pence. He is a committed and unashamed evangelical Christian. Then there's Lena Epstein. She is a reformed liberal Jew and a Republican candidate for Congress in Michigan. Then there is the rabbi, or as some say, should we even call him rabbi, Lauren Jacobs, leader of a Messianic Jewish congregation in Detroit called Shema Yisrael. It turns out that Epstein had invited Jacobs to offer a prayer earlier in the political rally, part of her desire to be ecumenical in her outreach. Pence, for his part, heard Jacobs pray and asked him to come out later in the night and offer a prayer for the families of the Pittsburgh massacre. And Jacobs, for his part, prayed openly in Yeshua's name, also invoking, quote, Jesus the Messiah. And finally, there's the wider Jewish community, which expressed surprise, disappointment, and outrage over the choice to have Jacobs pray. In their eyes, while he still may be Jewish, and some would dispute that, he does not practice Judaism, and he is not a valid rabbi. That's another story. If anybody wants to ask me about his quote-unquote defrocking, you can see me after the service. And as a Messianic Jew, Jacobs also believes that Jews need Jesus to be saved. So why on earth choose him to lead a prayer for the Jewish community? As a Messianic believer myself, I think I can offer some helpful insights. First, this was a major error in judgment. A major error in judgment. It was definitely a mistake for Vice President Pence to ask Jacobs to pray for the Pittsburgh Jewish community. Now, my assumption is that it was an innocent error on his part, but it was an error nonetheless. There was no vetting of Lauren Jacobs. Given his love for Israel and the Jewish people, however, I can't imagine that he would intentionally offend American Jews. Actually, he offended Jews all over the world, not just in the United States. I believe that this idea was confirmed by a Pence spokesperson who stated that, quote, he did not know Rabbi Lauren Jacobs of the Messianic congregation Shema Yisrael when he called him onto the stage to offer a prayer for the victims. He should have known who he was, who he was that he was inviting to share the podium with him. Either way, I fully understand the reaction of the wider Jewish community. In their eyes, this was beyond, beyond insensitive. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 20. To the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law as under the law, 
that I might win those who are under the law. I think it was commendable, if not unwise, for Lena Epstein to invite Jacobs to play a public role in that event. By the way, that event was a political rally. It was not a memorial service. I say it was commendable because she and Jacobs are both Jews, and she did not let their very real faith differences divide them. And in response to the backlash against her, she said, according to the Washington Post, that, quote, her Jewish faith was beyond question and accused, quote, any media or political competitor who was attacking me or the vice president of religious intolerance. But the Post added, she said she was a member of Temple Bethel, a reform synagogue in Bloomfield Hills, yet didn't explain why she had invited the leader of a messianic synagogue to the campaign event. She also said this, I'm proud of my faith and look forward to serving as the only Jewish Republican woman in Congress. Still, if she wanted to be ecumenical, I think it would have been better for her to invite a Christian clergyman to pray rather than a Messianic Jewish rabbi. Again, I believe this was an error on her part. But since she herself is Jewish, here too I cannot imagine that she intended to provoke or offend anyone. Thirdly, some of the Jewish reaction to Pence's actions and the prayer was over the top, ugly, and on call for. Here's a treat, a tweet from a liberal female rabbi, Danya Ruttenberg, and it says it all, quote, Dear Pence, please give up the pretense of Jewish presence. You are a Christian supremacist. We know that. You know that. Also, we will defeat you. But in the meantime, just stop pretending and appropriating my people. I don't know about you, but I call that disrespectful, false, and even arrogant. And fourth, Lauren Jacobs did exactly what you would expect a Messianic rabbi to do in a public setting. He was himself. He just forgot where he was. He prayed openly in the name of Yeshua, Jesus. There was no duplicity and no effort to hide his identity. But again, he forgot where he was, and he missed a witnessing opportunity, and in fact did absolutely the opposite. Like it or not, that's called being transparent. He's not a traditional rabbi. He didn't allow anyone to mistake him for one. Nor was he ashamed to let everyone know that he believes that Jesus, Yeshua, is the Messiah of Israel and the Savior of the world. Yet... Please listen, and these are my thoughts. They're not the thoughts of Son of David congregation. They are not the thoughts of the elders. They are my thoughts that I need to share with you this week. The choice of venue and setting for his transparency was, to say the least, ill-advised. What could have been a powerful, sensitive, and traditional prayer, a traditional Jewish prayer from a Messianic believer, instead turned into what I believe was a terrible witness for the Messianic community. Can you imagine if he stood up instead and recited the English translation to the Kaddish that Dana leads us in every morning? A Messianic Jew reciting the Kaddish, declaring God's greatness, and praying for the hurt of the families who lost loved ones. That would have been a witness that could have drawn the Jewish community closer 
to Messianic Judaism instead of building the wall higher between them and us. Now, the New York Times actually stated that, quote, the sect of Judaism that Jacobs represents, Messianic Judaism, is viewed by some critics as a threat to the religion. But please note, the, time ref- the Times referred to Messianic Judaism as a sect of Judaism, which is how things started in the beginning, didn't it? In other words, the first followers of Yeshua were all Jewish. They believed that he was the promised Mashiach. And their fellow Jews recognized them as Jews, followers of a new sect of Judaism. You can look at it in Acts 24, verse 14. It was only later, when most of his followers were Gentiles, when Easter had taken the place of Passover, when Trinitarian beliefs were considered heretical, that these Jewish followers of Yeshua were largely excluded from their Jewish communities. But to repeat, The first followers of the Messiah, all of them Jews, were fully accepted by the Jewish community as their contemporaries. Yes, they had differences, but they were still considered Jewish. As for today, to be totally candid, there was a lot of superficiality in the early days of the modern Messianic Jewish movement, and I consider that dating back 40, 50, maybe 60 years. It was led by born-again Christians of Jewish extract who wanted to recover their Jewish roots and tell their people, you can be Jewish and believe in Jesus. And in some ways, it actually added Jewish traditions, or rather simply added Jewish traditions and practices to traditional Christian beliefs. I'm sure some of you have been in Messianic congregations that are like that. You can find them in Israel. The only difference is they do it in Hebrew. But over the years... The movement has demonstrated its commitment to preserving Jewish identity to the point that many Messianic Jews have made Aliyah to Israel. The children of these Israeli Messianic Jews serve in the IDF. They are often more observant than the bulk of the Israeli population, which is predominantly secular. By the way, this holds true in the United States as well where members of Messianic congregations like Son of David, like ours, are often more observant than their liberal Jewish friends and family. And by more observant, I simply refer to things like keeping the Sabbath, following the Torah calendars of readings, and eating kosher. Their Jewishness is very important to them. As noted by David Rudolph, quote, The 1990 National Jewish Population Survey interviewed a broad spectrum of the American Jewish community, including Messianic Jews. One survey question asked, is being Jewish very important in your life? According to the findings, 100% of all Messianic Jews interviewed said yes to that survey question. This was higher than any other Jewish group interviewed, including the Orthodox, 77%, conservative, 58%, reform, 40%, and reconstructionist, 49%. 100% of Messianic Jews considered their Jewishness important to them. In contrast with this, by the way, NBC News noted that, quote, 
Messianic Judaism, which believes that Jesus is the Messiah and considers the New Testament to be authentic, is not recognized as Jewish by any mainstream Jewish movement in the United States or by the chief rabbinate, the supreme spiritual authority for Judaism in Israel. But ironically, it appears that the person who wrote the article, Alex Johnson, was unaware of the fact that the chief rabbinate of Israel, which is ultra-Orthodox, doesn't recognize Reform or conservative Judaism as authentic Judaism. In fact, as reported by the Jewish Forward, quote, listen to this, Israel's Ashkenazi chief rabbi came under fire on Sunday for refusing to acknowledge in a newspaper interview that the massacre in Pittsburgh was carried out in a synagogue. Rather, he referred to the synagogue as, quote, a place with a profound Jewish flavor. But to him, it was not a synagogue. Why? Because it wasn't orthodox. Not only that, but many rabbis do recognize Messianic Jews as Jews. They simply do not recognize Messianic Judaism as an authentic branch of Judaism. But nor do they see their faith in Jesus in keeping with authentic Jewish faith. And so in some, while inviting a Messianic Jewish rabbi to pray for the Pittsburgh victims at a major political rally was certainly an error in judgment, something positive can come out of it. Specifically, as fellow Jews, we can sit down and discuss our differences, but we need to do so as fellow Jews. After all, the same demented murderer who shouted all Jews must die at that conservative synagogue in Pittsburgh would have the same vitriolic hatred for people like Jacobs and me. Our faith in Yeshua has only deepened our solidarity with our people. I want to close from reading again from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 19. For though I am free from all men, and I'm sure that Jacob's felt himself very free when he prayed what he prayed, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. To the Jews I became as a Jew that I might win Jews to those who are under the law as under the law that I might win those who are under a law. He missed a big opportunity to do just that. But it's not just for Jewish outreach that this is true. Paul continues, to those who are without law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Messiah, that I might win those who are without law. And to the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now I do this for the gospel's sake, that I may be partaker of it with you. It is my prayer that the Messianic community, as fractured and divided as it is, will somehow in some way, by some venue, reach out 
to the hurting Jewish community in the United States this week with prayers of consolation and solidarity as Jews who understand the plight of Jewish people. May their witness and their prayer be a testimony of hope and love. In the Siddur it is written, King, Redeemer, Savior and Shield. Redeemer, Savior and Shield. That's a commonality that we have with Jewish nonbelievers, whether they know it or not. And if we focus on what is positive, and we focus on what is common among us, instead of pushing the gospel truth in the face of Jewish people, which was the paradigm of many messianic outreach groups during the Jesus movement, instead of pushing it in their face, we have to offer it up as a tasty meal, a Jewish meal, a meal that tastes good, a meal that fills you up, but more importantly, satisfies the soul. And so will you all stand with me as I pray for the Jewish community in Pittsburgh and around the world? Avinu Malkeno, our Father and our King. I'm reminded, Lord, of the story of the old Jewish man who was approached by a Gentile who said, so you're God's chosen people, huh? To which he replied, yes, and I wish he would choose somebody else for a change. Your choice, Lord, carries responsibility, and it also carries danger for everyone whose ethnicity is Jewish, be they believer or non-believer. Father, we hurt for the families of the 11 who died in Pittsburgh. We hurt for the families of the six others who were injured. We hurt for the families of anti-Semitic rage and attack all over this country that doesn't go recorded, like the one this past week in a synagogue in Brooklyn. Father, we know that the only answer is your son, Yeshua. May we make him a pleasing aroma in the nostrils of the Jewish community and not an offense to be debated. May we make him be seen as the answer to lost hope, as the answer to lost love, as the answer to a personal relationship with the creator of the universe, and not as a slap in the face. I pray for Lauren Jacobs as well, Lord. I pray that this was a learning experience for him. I pray that there is no arrogance in his spirit that would defend what he did because he thought he was right. Sometimes the truth, Lord, needs to be spoken in love and not with gloves, boxing gloves. And so I pray for us as a congregation 
that our witness would be a witness of love, not confrontation. That our witness would be a witness of truth. Not in your face truth, but in your soul truth. And I pray, Lord, come quickly. The world needs you desperately. Let us all say together, Amen. Would you gather together, please? Before we uh, actually gather together, unless you're comfortable doing that, uh, you may sit down and watch a video that we're going to put on. This is uh, culminating uh, National Clergy Month. And each October, we recognize our congregational leader, and we're about to do that in a couple of ways. One through a comic relief video, and then we're going to uh, have him come up here and receive something. Go ahead, hit it. Hey, Pastor, thanks for seeing me. This is so great. I have been wanting to talk to you for quite a while, and um, to be right here with you right now is awesome. Does it look like I have an appointment? Being the children's minister, uh, first the good news, because who doesn't like good news? <laughs> Listen, I've been looking at the numbers, and we are hurting, all right? We are bleeding with a capital bleed, okay? I know you've been wanting to talk to me, but being the youth minister, I'm really busy, okay? I'm doing a lot, a lot of stuff. But as building superintendent of this here church, I got a problem. Singles ministry, it ain't working. No one's coming. You know it, and I know it. There's only one thing I think this church is missing. Snakes. I just wanted to confess to you, my pastor, that the Ten Commandments, I've done all of them. Okay, I've committed all of them, okay? Except murder. I am the chairman of the deacons of this church. This weekend we're doing a junior high lock-in. That is a great concept, isn't it? I mean, whoever thought of that, I mean, you know what I'm saying? What if we rent out the left side of our auditorium to that new hipster church, huh? Here's my letter of resignation. I'm going back to work at Starbucks because they give benefits. The good news is, with VBS, um, we had so many kids involved and 17 kids came to know the Lord. Yay. I was here long before you got here. Um, the bad news is we've lost one of them, um, Timmy. And I'll be here long after you're gone. I need you to have my back, okay? I need you to have my back because, I mean, the seniors, they are, they are on me. Not my senior high class, but the senior citizens, they do not like me. We're not using it. You're not going to fill it up with your messages. And here's the simple truth. That could help us out. What do you say? Hip, hip, hipster away? about we let Carl here loose on some of our congregants. See who's without sin and who's not, huh? I'm sure this happens a lot in churches, doesn't it? No. Okay. No. By the way, I can't get that smell out of the band. So just have my back, okay? I'm really, really trying. I got a lot on my plate. Do, do you see that? God has been talking to me really big time. And I think he wants me to preach. Adios, muchacho. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Carl, oh, Carl's out. Carl's out. No hard feelings? Don't mind if I do. Thank you, sir. 
with that cigarette. You need to get right with the Lord or get out of here because that snake's poisonous. I'm not kidding. Carl! <laughs> the many hats that a, a congregational leader has to wear are just innumerable. Right, Dennis? <laughs> So there are many things that come uh, his way uh, in his uh, pursuit to draw this congregation closer together and, of course, to have our new building so that we can uh, have all these neat dynamics happen. Hallelujah. (laughs) Judy, will you come up? Uh, We have a few things for you all. All right. This, Dennis, you may come. And you'll probably want to read it later. I got a little wordy. <laughs> Here you go, sir. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> and this is, yeah, I know, same with me. And I know you'll love these. Mm, yeah. No. <laughs> so, and I have a... Where did I put it? I s- yes, please. I wanted to read something to everybody. Yeah, I should. Uh, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Messiah's sufferings, and one who also will share in the glory. overseers, not because you must, you don't have to do it, right? Not as you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, but not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory. That will never fade away. Beautiful words for a spiritual leader, congregational leader. And we just, uh, let's pray for both of them as they continue to serve in the role that God has called them to. Father, I just ask right now that you mightily pour out your Ruach HaKodesh on them. Give them restored best health. Lord, restore them to just the greatest physical condition. And Lord God, we just ask right now that all the needs that they have, you know what they are, meet every one of them, and that they will just be blown away, that uh, the vats will be overflowing. And Lord, continue to empower them to serve mightily among this uh, congregation. And let us grow together and see come to fruition soon this uh, new edifice, this new place of worship that we'll be able to uh, uh, just grow in our faith together and lead many others to you. In Yeshua's name, amen. Thank you. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Thank all of you very much. I just wanted to share one more thing, which I forgot. It's been a wonderful week. Um, yesterday when we were at, when I was at WFAX, stay up here with me. Yesterday when I was at WFAX Radio and I was being interviewed, um, it came up about the congregation and what was special about the congregation. I said, everything's special 
about the congregation. As a matter of fact, if I wasn't the congregational leader, I'd still be going to that congregation. And everybody there smiled. And as I left the building, all of a sudden, the engineer who was recording it yelled out to me, Dennis! I turned around, what? He goes, wait up a minute. And I went, okay. And he reached out his hand and he shook my hand. And in his hand was a $50 bill. He said, this is for your building fund. And that $50 bill is in the Sadaka box this morning. So I think God's in this, don't you? Amen. Would you stand with me for the benediction? Please make sure that you do not stand alone. May the Lord, may the Lord bless and keep you. May his grace and his face shine upon you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, and give you peace. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmerecha Yair Adonai panavelecha v'yichunecha Yisa Adonai panavelecha V'yasem lecha shalom V'yasem lecha shalom This is the way you shall be blessed From day to day, he'll be your rest. This is the way you shall be blessed. From day to day, he is your rest. May the Lord, may the Lord bless and keep you. May his grace and his face shine upon you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, and give you peace, and give you peace, and give you peace. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Borei perihagafen. Amen. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. Baruch Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, hamotzi lechem min haaretz. Amen. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings bread from the earth. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Shabbat Shalom.